Welcome to Tech Vets, the podcast, the show dedicated to exploring the world of tech and cybersecurity through the eyes of industry leaders and ex-forces personnel. In this special Armed Forces Day show, when the UK comes together to show its appreciation of the services, we're talking to a team of volunteers who support tech vets and their members as they transition from military to civilian life and into tech and cybersecurity jobs. We've got a big cast today. We've got James from Tech Vets and volunteers Dan and Ollie and Ben. So hello, everybody. Hi there, Charlie. Hello. Hi, Charlie. How are you doing? Can I ask everybody to um, to to introduce themselves just just so so the listeners know who you are? So, James, you're you're an obvious one. <laughs> you're the boss. Who who are you, and what do you do for Tech Vets? Uh, so I'm I'm the director of Tech Vets. I lead the the show single handedly as the only full time member, which is why it's so important that we have so many volunteers um, bringing their expertise along along uh, to to help me out. Um, but I was a, a 19 year member of the of the British Army. I left in 2018 uh, and started my role in cybersecurity and GDS within the Cabinet Office. Thanks, Dan. You you were, uh, according to my notes, an operations sergeant in the Royal Signals, now a cyber assurance manager at 6.6. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Hi, Charlie. Yeah, so I'm the Scotland chapter lead for Tech Vets. Um, it's not a role that I earned. I sort of just fell into it, being the only member that was in Scotland for a while. I was Royal Signals for 12 years and then made the transition out into Civilian Street to be working information security, cyber security. I got involved with Tech Vets around about 2018 um, when it was a very, very small community. And in that time, I've, I've been involved with it as it grew and a lot more members joined and a lot more um, resources became available for members. And then when they started to assign chapter leaders, I had already organised an event, so I just sort of stepped into that role. Um, and I'm still here now trying to help the best I can. Is it a mentoring role? Is, is, is that the main thing that you do? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was a mentor at all, no. I think I'm, it's more guidance. It's because I've already done that path, I can answer the questions that people might have rather than them looking all over the place. There's, there's one single sort of point of call that they can go to in that sort of tech vet. So... Anyone who's resettling in Scotland, I've got a good idea of the sort of the, the roles that are available because each each different location in the UK will have different sort of jobs that that's realistic that you can sort of attain in that area. So I can answer questions like that and I can answer simple questions of like what qualifications that I see being advertised a lot for, what qualifications I see have got value in, in Scotland, stuff like that. So it's, it's not mentally, no, because you're not that close really it's more a guidance sort of role and 6.6 they're, they're london based aren't they but you're you're running the scottish operation for them is that right yeah that's right so i'm uh, just outside glasgow um and i originally worked for a company called cgi that uh, ben works for and during the pandemic every company's evolved and 6.6 have started recruiting and hiring people from outside of the london area and i had a friend that worked there a veteran um, who spoke very highly of them and I had a few conversations with them and that they're a massive armed forces supporters uh, and they offered me a role, so I made that move, yeah. Brilliant. Let's turn to Ben, a former squadron leader OC of an RAF engineer squadron, now a senior CTI analyst at CGI. Uh, is, is that right? Have, have I got my notes right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm currently a cyber threat intel analyst with, with CGI, so uh, one of the bigger business um, services and, and IT 
project companies within the UK. Do a lot of work with government, MOD, public sector, private sector, energy and critical national infrastructure. So quite a diverse spectrum of, of activities across across all IT um, and I work within the cybersecurity business unit. So I, I started with CGI just as a pandemic started, done a couple of roles within there doing cyber threat intelligence at the moment. But uh, before that, I was doing security architecture work with uh, with a different team uh, working on security controls and, and infrastructure design for, um, for MOD projects. And as far as what you do for TechFets is concerned, is it more or less as Dan described it? Yes, pretty much. Yeah. So I uh, I currently do CV reviewing work um, on a lot of RAF guys leaving, uh, guys interested and ladies interested in cyber threat intelligence um, and consultancy work. So we look at the CVs, develop it, develop it with a mind to what, what they want to do outside if they haven't left already, but also with a view to shaping shaping a generic CV towards a, a, a targeted sector of a sector of the cybersecurity industry. And that's you know, having a dialogue with them about what they want to do, why they want to do it, that sort of behavior. And then uh, guiding them through through the process and helping them helping them write and, and develop as it goes along. CV is very much an iterative process as as, as we all found when we were shaping ours to uh, to leave Air Force or the Army or whichever service. Um, and it's just giving them a, a little bit of experience from somebody who's who's already trodden that path numerous times um, relatively recently to, to help with that. Thanks. Ollie, former corporal in the Royal Marines, um, you are the one who's gone out and founded your own business, uh, North Star Cybersecurity. When you left the services, did you did you go into a role? Did you go into a job? doing something else first or did you just dive straight in and, and, and start a company i did dive in and, and start a company with a friend actually but it wasn't in um cybersecurity, so it was in surveillance so physical surveillance open source intelligence working predominantly around london across other parts of the uk doing it sort of physical surveillance or open source intelligence finding out tracking people online Whilst doing that, which was really interesting, got to do lots of fun and interesting bits of nice posh hotels and some not nice fun bits staying in it, sitting in the back of a van for hours on end. We kept getting requests for lots more technical aspects of surveillance, so Wi-Fi exploitation, you know, legally. I might add just on that one. But yes, yeah, so a lot more technical different aspects that we kept getting asked for. Um, and that's where my sort of requirement and need drove, drove me down more technical aspects. And then I joined, I've done a few courses, sort of CompTIA basic courses, because I was non-technical, always been kind of computer literate, but not from a technical background within the military. And I joined a cyber consultancy as a penetration tester after doing a course and yeah, went up through the different various levels and then figured out I'll give it a go doing it myself. And now here we are and the North Star Cybersecurity and it's going very well. Have you got to the stage where you're employing people and perhaps employing them via the TechVets programme? Yeah, absolutely. So we've recently grown um, quite quickly throughout the pandemic, which has been very fortunate. So we're now up to 10 employees. We started two and a half years ago. So and out of that, six of those are ex-military personnel as well, which has been really good. And um, one of the guys, Michael Jepson and Henry Itchy, have just come through that same tech vet route that, that you know, we're talking about today. So it's, it's been really great. Grant, this reason for for helping TechFest, is it is it purely altruistic as as far as you're concerned? Do you, I mean, do you get the kind of uh, the cream of the crop of services personnel looking for jobs? 
So initially it was because, I'm going to give credit where it's due, was um, a guy called sort of Phil Kimpton, who was, I'd say, one of the first known people, again, one of the kind of founding guys that, that kind of not started Tech Bets, but um, was there in the beginning at the early stages. I got in touch with him about getting into career into pen testing. He gave me tons of advice, was really helpful. And for me, as soon as I joined as a pen tester, you know, even if I was one month ahead of someone, two months or six months or a year, I just wanted to do that same thing back. I like knowledge dissemination. I you know, like helping people out, I guess. And training and advising people is something that I've done a lot in the past. So it kind of came naturally to me. But now we're obviously reaping the benefits of TechFets as an employer, which is which is excellent. So, yeah, it, it's kind of a win-win in all situations for me. So, James, um, you, you've kind of you've heard their you've heard their pitches. Are they, are they giving the right answers? Are, are they in this for the right reasons and, and doing the right thing as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, as volunteers, you know, I prepped them, primed them with the right answers just to make us look good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that what, the one thing that we that we see in the military community is that generally people want to give back uh, and they want support, not just veterans and military people anyway. It's, it's, it's just a natural ingrained sort of character trait that people want to give back to, to the people around them, to society. But the military bond is pretty strong. And I think you know, one thing that we see with the volunteers is that, yes, it's great that they can bring their expertise and their knowledge and their, you know, their, their, their new sort of industry-wise perceptions on things. But actually, it's that it's that real strength in community where you've got people that are desperate to help out with others. And I think the one thing that we've managed to nail on the head is by getting people involved in a meaningful way that adds value, that doesn't send people down the wrong path. It enhances the sort of pathways that they're already on, helps them make the right decisions, which has been really useful. And again, as Ollie said, that's a prime example of where it works perfectly. You know, someone who has received some support, who sets up their own company that then employs TechVets members. Yes, it's good to give back, but the skills are quite evident. TechVets wasn't set up because veterans are vulnerable and we need to help them. It was set up because there was a huge talent pool that was being underused, certainly wasn't being capitalised on by the tech sector or, or the cybersecurity industry. And, and there is a, a, a credible way in which we can map those military skills to those roles and help business access that talent pool. It's working. Dan, was it easy for you to move into tech from, from the armed forces? I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was probably easier than most. Uh, I came from a very technical background. I, I already had 12 years experience in networks and IT. So for me to make that transition into cybersecurity, the gap that I had to bridge wasn't as as large as somebody like Ollie with, with no technical background while he was serving. So no, no, it's never easy to make the transition, but you can plan the transition correctly, whether you're technical or not. And if you if you do that with enough foresight, and with enough guidance and help like someone like TechVets can give you, then it can be easier than just clicking on a Monday morning because you're not happy and then trying to figure it out thereafter. If you plan first, use the resources and, and all the people around you that are willing to help. And like James said, veterans are crazy. All they want to do is help other veterans. You never, you never go to another veteran and ask for something and they say no. And whether they're in TechVets or not, I've, I've had a armed forces community in CGI and there's an armed forces community in 6.6 and if you go to another veteran and ask them for help you'll get it 100% of the time and I've I've never ever seen a veteran that doesn't want to help. Yeah you make a good point though Dan as well about the about the planning aspect and I think the problem that we see are too many too many service leavers leaving they sign off you know and and then they start planning and rather than plan first before they sign off And, and the problem there is it's too short a time it works well for a traditional employment model. You know, if you if you want to get into something more manual, 
um, then you can do some courses, you can learn some skills. Bob's your uncle. But if you want to get into cybersecurity or technology and you want to be quite technical, it takes time to learn those skills. And you know, you had some of those prerequisites, but but others don't. Um, and and certainly, you know, they struggle then because they've got to try and cram it in such a short space of time. I I suppose the benefit of the TechBets network is that you can come in early on in your in your plan and start to get that advice, start to get those ideas around what next, what route you want to take, what skills are needed. Um, I suppose that's one of the benefits um, that, that really leads um, with, with the community. With, with TechFets, as James alluded to, to follow on from that, and in, in my experience, you know, it's not just having access to the individuals as well, it's access to immersive labs and cybery and all that sort of thing as well. I had a two-year plan to leave. I had an option point coming up just at the point at which I discovered TechVets in around March 18. I went to an event at Canary Wharf and thought, well, this is quite uh, quite interesting. Started to get interested in that, started doing some research, started doing some training and started to get into it that way. And then the Discord community started coming to life as well. So whilst I was on my last tour, I was living away in the mess during the week. So I had the time of an evening to do my studying, to do my technical research and understand, well, what sort of cybersecurity or tech role do I want? Well, actually, I'm, I'm interested in threat intelligence because I've got an intelligence background. So therefore, I want to do this sort of thing. This is where I'm going to focus my attention um, and dedicate the time that I've now got to it. Because in 18 months time, I'm going to have left the, the RAF and I'll need a job. So it it's exactly that, as James said, plan early. Don't leave it until you're planning your resettlement leave or you're six months out. If you know you're leaving, plan ahead because that time goes really quickly. It's a great opportunity to get involved in that community and get all the information. And as Dan said, there are veterans out there who will bend over backwards to help you out in any way they possibly can, even if it's just meet me for a coffee, let's talk about what you want to do and I'll connect you up with some other people who can help. It's a fantastic opportunity. Basically, Ben, what you're saying is, and I recall having having a coffee with you in GDS, that I forged that successful pathway for you just by having a coffee. <laughs> with that point Ben makes about planning early, one thing I always tell people if they haven't signed off yet is to the 12 months notice is just the minimum amount of time you have to give. I always say give two and a half years notice because then you can hit two, three or four financial years. So how I done it, I done over two years notice, which meant I could use three ELCs and four SLCs. So potentially seven qualifications in that resettlement period that I could achieve. So built that roadmap out like what Ben's saying, looked at where I wanted to, where I wanted to finish, where I am now, done a, a gap analysis essentially, looked at qualifications that I could use and, and that would be useful to get me the foot in the door in the cyber world. And then I signed off and I think it was in January and then two and a half years later out in uh, April. Ollie, did you land a bit more kind of feet first into your roles uh, or did you do this kind of carefully planned Dan and Ben version of thinking about it two years in advance? Yeah, so I wasn't quite, um, as I wouldn't say, not say lucky, but um, obviously what the guys, where TechFets is now is that everyone's got such a good, it's got such a wide audience that lots of people are hearing about it before they're putting their notice in. You know, I didn't hear about cyber until I was well down the line of putting my notice in, didn't know nothing about it. Whereas lots of the guys are in the military, you know, it's got a really good reputation. The word's getting around. Um, you know, there are great careers in there and you don't necessarily have to have done 20 years as a, as a techie to, to get a job. People are hearing that and they're, they're listening to it. So um, it's, it's a really good place to, to, to do that now. 
for me, no, I was, as I said, I was pursuing my surveillance and investigation type um, work. And um, as I said, I, I kind of decided with about four months left to pursue the, the technical career. So, um, yeah, I, I had to very quickly uh, upskill and spend many, many hours watching dull, dry videos. Um, I won't name which ones <laughs> that, that was dull, dry ones, but there's obviously lots of good free resources out there as well. Again, Immersive Labs wasn't there. You know, this was lots of PowerPoint presentations, you know, online studying, um, you know, multiple choice type questions as well. So yeah, it was really hard. It was really difficult. And, and it wasn't the studying that was the most difficult part because I think most military people can, you know, you give them a course, they can go away and study it and, and pass an exam. The difficult point was when I joined a, a company, having no relevant experience as a penetration tester, spending massively out my debt, I'm just quite fortunate that I'm quite a good blagger and uh, managed to blag my way through the first few months until I uh, managed to learn what I was actually doing. And, you know, if I look back now over the skills knowledge of, of what I've acquired over, the, you know, the last sort of four years, it, it's, um, it, it's, it's tremendous. And, and that's, you know, partly down to lots more resources being available online as well and learning from others, you know, more senior. So. I'd say it sounds like Dan and Ben did a lot of work and you, you kind of got lucky. Is that a, is That's that what, uh, my, my sister actually always says that to me. She says, got, get lucky. But I say there's no such thing in life as getting lucky. It's, you've got to be right place, right time. And that's, that's, that's down to hard work. So, well, I suppose uh, the, the question is, if you're going to do it again, I mean, what would you do differently? How, how would you plan your, your move from the services? I guess it would be, uh, you know, the, the whole networking thing um, and LinkedIn, et cetera. Doing that a lot early on, quite a confident person. And when I discovered LinkedIn, I just find, as, as Dan said, you know, everyone who's ex-military and even some civilians as well are really respectful of, you know, ex-military and will want to help you out. I messaged someone quite senior in Barclays who, you know, you probably should really go through a few layers of escalation before directly messaging that person. But he was really helpful and directed me in the right places to go but I would say if I go back and do it again certainly you know as Dan advised if you can plan out your LCAS your your ELCs to use if you can uh, I guess the hardest thing about leaving the military at the moment and, and going into the world of tech is where do you start you know what what do you do as a career you know where where me being in Royal Marine for 12 years or so 10 years where does that where does that leave me into being a pen tester or, or you know an analyst or threat intelligence and how do I know which of those you're going to like you're not going to gain that until you've got a bit of experience done a few courses so again the earlier on that you can do that then the better off you're going to be personally i'd like more people to be aiming at, at becoming a technologist and then following that on into into cyber because that way you're going to have those technical skills that are, are never going to leave you you can keep developing them they'll need development clearly um, but i think there's it moves at such a frightening pace that what is pen testing you know six six months ago is already changing slightly. Um, you know, the world of consultancy, it has now really overridden what was what was previously the cybersecurity services. You know, it's now far more dominant um, a, a sort of role and everyone is pretty much client-facing almost uh, entirely. Um, and I think that is, is we're now also looking at a lot more automation as well. So I think if you aim to do a specific thing, I think it can be difficult when you're first starting out. That's something that once you've got those foundational skills, that you can then move to and pivot to a little bit easier. Um, I think I, I wish I'd just coded. I think for like from the age of um, three weeks old, coding, uh, you can't start early enough. And as much as it's not necessary for most jobs in cyber um, and even a lot of jobs in tech, 
it's just really useful and I, it would have made my life incredibly easy. But there are some innate talents, aren't there, which, which service leavers have, which veterans have. And it, although I'm, um, I appreciate how particularly, you know, Ben and Dan have taken their path out of the services very seriously, the fact is there is a kind of talent for management which comes with being a veteran. And there, there are those kind of things. I mean, d- that must be really important as part of the tech vets offer. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and that's, how, that's how I was successful. I didn't come out with technical skills. I came out with, you know, 19 years of experience in the military doing all sorts of stuff. You know, my last job was managing global intelligence requirements for, for land forces. Now, that's a fairly hefty responsibility. And there's not many people that were in my peer group that, that would have been doing the same sort of stuff outside the military. So I think the ability to take on responsibility, to have the, have the confidence to make decisions, to be able to use process, develop process, manage process, um, and most importantly, to manage people uh, and, to, and to do the people side of stuff. I think that's something that's, you know, I've worked with some amazing, I mean, in GDS, the team was fantastically technical, but quite often they would, they would you know, look to, to me to do the, the, the human stuff, the, the interaction with people. They'd rather break things and fix things and, and use their incredible skills. Um, and I think what the military do, especially as, we, as we're evolving off the back end of the pandemic, um, where everything is far more consultancy-based, uh, then there is a real opportunity for veterans to use those interpersonal skills, the confidence, the ability to plan, prep and deliver um, a, a consulting service um, with a client and also the ability to travel and to react and adapt quickly, deal with change. That's also important. Uh, has got, I, want, I want to move this on in a sec, but has anybody got anything they want to add to, to that point? Just to carry on from what James said about it being a fast-moving industry, absolutely, you know, lots of people are, are looking to say we want to get into penetration testing. And it's I'm a pen tester. We're a heavy-focused penetration testing company. But even in the last two and a half years, we're seeing a big demand for um, managed security services. And again, we've now opened up a branch of uh, MSSP for us in-house. Um, and I'm not just selling North Star Home Services, by the way, uh, although we'll, we'll, we've got to throw them in and mention them. Um, but, you know, again, it's just to um, kind of state that the, the change we're seeing from a consultancy you know, perspective as well, um, even in just two and a half years. So you've got to think of the future. Um, you've got to look at what products and automated tools can be done out there. And you've got to realise, you know, where where are you best placed and what are your best qualities to, to get the most out of a job role? Thanks, Ollie. And of course, other uh, cybersecurity firms are available. Um, <laughs> um, OK, well, what I want to go on to next, really, um, is the support for UK uh, service veterans and what there is at the moment and whether there's enough of it. So a little bit more forward looking. So can I go back to Dan? Uh, first of all, what, what, what's your feeling about what could be done to smooth the path for veterans into the tech industry? Uh, to smooth the path into the tech industry, I mean, I think I think that's what Tech Vets is doing. Um, I think when I was make making my my super plan for resettlement, there was so much out there, and I didn't know what to believe when I was reading all these different recommendations on qualifications. I mean, I've got qualifications that are absolutely useless because at the time, somebody told me it was worth something. I'm not going to say what that is, but it was a a week and all I really got out of it was a free lunch. I've never used it. It was absolutely pointless. So I think the main thing that veterans moving into tech and cyber need is to be able to go to one place and get the truth. And I think that's what TechBits does. And I think the bigger it grows and the more resources that become available and the more partners that get involved, um, the more benefit that will be. 
And th- there are there are other um, groups out there that veterans can go to, but I just think having having one on one sole place for the truth is is what makes things a lot less confusing for people because when you get told different stuff and you're just not sure, it, it just adds to the stress and the worry when you're trying to resettle. Yeah, that's it's really that's a really important point, and and you know the the one the one aim that I had in mind when. You know, when I merged TechVets uh, to become a program with RFEA, the Forces Employment Charity, is exactly that. They were already providing incredible employment support, both with the with the the, the fourteen thousand service leavers that they support every year, but also the the six thousand plus veterans. Um, and I think one thing that I've noticed over the over the my tenure at, at TechVets is there's too much stuff. There's too much stuff that duplicates stuff. There's so much noise out there that as a service leaver, you don't know where to go. You don't know what's what's valuable and what's not, and it's an issue. It's actually it's worse having too much stuff than it is not enough at times. Uh, and having that single point of, of truth is really really important. I think you know if you're if you're not going into tech and cyber, then RFEA is a great place to get you signposted in the right direction for other career paths in other industries and other sectors. You know, or, or provide you that support and advice and guidance. You know, let's say for example, you do have issues with with mental health. Um, or, or something, or, or you're, you're wounded um, in action um, back in the day, and you're still having issues. Again, that, that all that support is in one place, and I think that's one thing that the organisation really tries to to achieve. It's really difficult, though. There, there's just so much out there. It's just a wall of data and, and noise. But Ben, can I just bring you into this, but particularly about these stereotypes about uh, PTSD and and uh, and issues which people believe are attached to, to veterans. Did you come across anything like that in? as you transitioned out of the services? I don't think I did. Um, <clears throat> my transition out of the services was, was, was planned and fairly well executed, I think, like, like, like Dan. Um, but I didn't, I didn't experience any, any issues or stereotypes or, or prejudices against, against me. I guess I've seen it with um, guys like, I have worked for who have worked for me in my time in part of their transition um, perhaps you know there's a, a a bit of a a bit of a stigma or a label attached to um, ex-servicemen as being bad mad or sad it's a, it's a terrible cliche but I think in some sectors that still exists um, I think um, organizations like RFEA other military ch- charities um, and tech vets can can assist in in making sure that those those sorts of uh, prejudices and biases don't don't get to continue to manifest. Is it a uh, well? Let's let's ask Ollie. Actually, is is this something you've come across? Um, I would say not so much. I think that there's so when you look into you know large enterprise clients all the way through to to small SMEs as well, and you know typically you can they, they, we always have a set of range. You can find a bootneck anywhere. Um, and it's, it's not just a bootnet, but you can find an ex-military person in any organization. I think because of the ethos and how the ex-military person typically tends to work in an organization, they're quite well recepted. You know, so um, actually when everywhere that I've been anyway, um, you know, I've, I've kind of got in through that ex-military connection or, or group and then you kind of liaise with them and they're seen as quite well regarded. Um, you know, because from the, their work ethics. So, yeah, I don't think this, again, it, it, it just depends to per, personal experiences. Um, I've not experienced any sort of stigma 
um, you know, with PTSD or, or anything like that. And, you know, um, I'm quite open with conversations with people about things as well. Uh, I think there's a lot more that's being done publicly at the moment with great charities um, out there that are doing a lot of work in this space. We had, we had Johnny Mercer on um, on, a, on a previous podcast, and I think he, he hit the nail on the head, um, you know, when he said that, yes, that there may still be an issue in places, but largely that we, we don't see it anymore. You know, businesses are not, are not stupid. They're not ignorant. They understand that, yes, some people may have problems, but I think it's absolutely a fringe case more than it is the, the norm that people are being, I suppose, really sort of negatively affected by, by a, a, a bad perception of, of military. I think there are still people, you know, clearly leaving that, that need that support, but that support is available. Signposting perhaps needs to be improved. But I think generally now people are starting to see, especially with cyber and tech, here's the skills that we're getting, especially in the operational um, roles, because people are coming out of a, of a military system where everything is operational, unless you're head of service or chief of defence staff, as much as we like to spout on about strategic in the military. It's all operational. You know, it's all ingrained with multidisciplinary teams, deliverables, resource um, allocation. Um, and, and, I th- and I think, to be honest, we've got over that hill for the best part. And I think the, the more veterans that get into into the industry, they just paint us in a better light. Like Ollie's saying, there's, there's already ex-forces communities in the majority of large organisations now, uh, and even some smaller medium. And the good work that the veterans are already doing encourages hiring managers to just bring more of them in because they've seen how well they can hit the floor running and adapt to situations really quickly, form great friendships, teams really quick. Absolutely. I mean, 6.6 have now, have, have now, you know, nabbed sort of four four members of, of tech vets. I think there's a fifth potential one as well. You know, we're looking at things like, you know, um, Tribeca, who recently did a fireside chat with us. They had a chat with a couple of guys. One piped up and said, you know, I've, I've got infrastructure background. Within two weeks, that guy had a job. They had absolute faith, absolute confidence that they, that was the talent pool they wanted to tap into because they wanted that the, the experience and the skills that, that come with generally come with a service person. It seems that everybody agrees, James, that TechFest is you know is the right organisation to to do this job. That you're doing a good job. What extra resource would you like to see so you can do a better job? So a combination of recruitment fees from Ollie for the people that he's taken <laughs> from TechFest, and and the referral fee from Ben as well. That that can fund us for a bit longer. Um, so I think the next the next step for us, um, and I, and I am starting to engage more more widely now outside of cybersecurity into some more infrastructure and DevOps um, type areas. Um, I think getting more people involved in DevOps, in programming, software development is is definitely the way forward to make sure that we are providing that opportunity for people. Um, But to be perfectly honest, the more companies that can come and work with us to get people into jobs, the the better it is. Because regardless of what training we provide them, the golden nugget is always going to be that sustainable career pathway. Um, and most importantly, we're, you know, we're just looking for great companies with really good cultures because I've, I've known so many members who have been out for a while, who have changed jobs, not because of the salary, but because all of a sudden the culture that they love is there in front of them and they can access it. And I was speaking to someone the other day who had taken a £2,000 pay drop um, and specifically to go into a company because that company was literally everything they wanted in the location they wanted as well. So physically, the commute was shorter as well. And, and I think 
it's all about making it right. And tech companies in general have a really sort of cool feel to them. I think there's lots we can do with a lot more companies to give them access to our talent pool. Yeah, just a just a quick one, James. Is is this I mean, is this kind of lifestyle choice something you're seeing as much as a sort of sense of strength of career path choice? I think it's both. It, it, it's both. People definitely see the the money side of it. That you know, it's it's a you, you're you're not going to be without a job, not for a prolonged period of time. Once you are, have technical skills or you're a cybersecurity specialist, um, because there's going to be a demand for those those skills for a very long time. However. At the same time, you're looking at people leaving the military where they've been part of something bigger, whether that is, you know, part of the unit they're in, part of an operational deployment to, to help change the lives of people, um, part of humanitarian assistance, disaster relief, you know, really saving lives um, of people that have been impacted by, by, by terrible um, situations. And how do you replace that mission? I think it's really, really difficult. I think the benefit of cybersecurity is you're kind of doing the same thing. You're, you're protecting people and assets you know, or, or you're looking for ways in which those are going to be, be harmed and, and then therefore help building um, security. Or if you're in tech, you know, some, some tech is pretty much changing the face of society for the better. And I think generally speaking, technology is used for good um, and it is used to enhance business, therefore enhancing lives, enhancing the way people live their lives, how they, how they live at home, um, etc. And And again, all the way down to the point where, you know, technology is helping people with disabilities it's helping people with who are, who are wounded and injured for life whether that's military um, or, or otherwise so i think there's a real opportunity for people to leave the military and really go into something with real purpose i, I think that's pretty much summed up exactly why i i made the jump into what i do now um i got back from afghanistan in 2010 and my unit went into a high readiness role and I was on that high readiness, so either one or five days notice to move until 2018, and I hadn't been anywhere, I didn't do anything, we were just on standby. Uh, and I had a conversation with my CEO at the time, and he said that the uh, the unit we're in was essentially like a car insurance policy. You wanted it to be really, really good, but you hope you never have to use it. And that just struck a chord with me, and I thought, wow, I'm training day in, day out, going on the same exercises, doing the same thing, hoping that I never have to actually do it again. And and that wasn't why I joined. I, I joined in 2008 at the height of Afghanistan and that was exactly why I joined, to, do, to be a soldier, to do my job. So making the transition into cyber, you go to work every day and you do, you do the job. You're literally reviewing your security controls, dealing with potential breaches, looking at incidents. It's essentially like being on the front line again. And it, it really is, it really is like that. Yeah, because it's not, it's not, you know, yes, fine, but 99% of the time it's not lives, but you know the impact of if someone has, you know, their business goes, goes bust because of ransomware or, yeah, or, or individuals lose all of their, all of their savings, their identity, etc. You know, that can cause people to take their own life and it has done, but it does ruin lives literally by the thousands on a daily basis. So it's, I mean, it's such an important role to play. You just have to look in the media at how many different critical infrastructures are being hit by ransomware. You've got Colonial Pipeline, you've got the Irish health system. Th those things are, are real life and they're happening daily. And, and if you work in cyber, you can work against that. So you're, you're kind of saying you, you got into this because it was similar to your, your military role. Is that right? Mine specifically wasn't far off. Yeah, I, I was in a technical role. Yeah. 
And and then towards the end of your career, while you were still, you could have moved at five days' notice, you started that transition into your into your new job, your new life. Yeah, so I um, I actually took uh, a role with the reserves for my last post in, so that I could move back up to Scotland and transition while up in up in Scotland just to make things like interviews and st- stuff easier. So my final role was uh, an operations sergeant um, for Thirty Two Signal Regiment, so based in Glasgow, which was really good, and they 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 do some really good work as well, aligned to UK op. So I was still doing some good stuff, but it just it wasn't. It wasn't deploying to Afghanistan. It wasn't what I joined the army for. So, for a service leaver who's nervous about signing off and starting over again in a new career, what's what's your what's your top advice? Uh, so, my top advice would be, as we've said before, the five Ps. Um, what was it prior planning prevents poor performance? Build a roadmap. Look at where you want to be in ten years' time, not in twelve months, not not in two years. Where do you want to be in ten years' time? Pick. Like James said, be a general general technologist, specialise later on down the road, use your EOCs properly, use your SOCs properly, use the networks around you, build your LinkedIn nice and early, like Ollie said, get on there, get that updated, look professional, network with all the different armed forces communities that are out there, um, and pick a job that's actually available in the location you want to resettle. Don't try and be a pen tester on Nile Man because it's probably not going to happen. Pick, look at the jobs that are available where you want to be. And again, that advice was given to me before a pandemic. I suppose with the, the remote working now, there's going to be a lot more flexibility. So you may well be a pen tester on Nile Man, but there's no point trying to achieve a role if it's not available where you want to live. Ollie, uh, that that sounded like a very uh, kind of planned uh, move. Um, would you add the words "buskets" to that as well, or, or uh, do you do you agree with that? No, so uh, I absolutely agree. Um, from a planned approach, I mean, one of the key points that I would say is expand your horizons. So, for myself, uh, if I could go back seven, eight years ago, and you said, "Okay, to me, then you're going to be sitting, you know, doing what's effectively a desk job." You know, I'm a very outdoor, active, you know, person. I put all my time and energy and effort into, you know, the job in the military, um, which again, most of it from a physical perspective. Um, and I would never have thought that I'd have gone down this route. But actually, I can take all of that same passion, drive, determination, focus, focus it on a mental aspect. Um, the pen testing is is in, in crazy, not just pen testing, but you know, I broaden my horizons within cyber now, and I'm doing loads more and um, you know, detailed stuff in intrusion analysts. And techniques, malware, and, and looking at EDR and, and ransomware as well. And it's you're challenging your mind rather than your body, and it equally is rewarding. It, it really is. So that's what I'd say to the service leaders out there who can't see themselves doing that type of, you know, sit around a computer. Um, it, it, it's not just you're sitting there at a computer and looking at numbers or whatever else. It, it is really interesting work, um, and you know, you, you can find the the same amount of passion for it. Is what you could probably find when you're in the military. And Ben, service leaver advice from you, please. What 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 do you recommend? Uh, be curious, broaden horizons, and see uh, see what's out there. There there is a shocking amount of interesting roles outside of the military, um, and there will be something that 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 takes your fancy. I wouldn't have thought five or six years ago that I would have gone into cybersecurity. I would have thought with an aerospace engineering background, um, I would have I would have gone into something in the military or defense aerospace technology sector. So whilst it's still technical and technological 
based. Um, this is this is very different to where I ended up. Yeah, there are there are a lot of lot of different opportunities out there. Um, sometimes they they just present themselves, so don't be afraid to take opportunities and exploit them as as much as you possibly can. The the service leavers have got those opportunities with their standard learning credits, enhanced learning credits. Make use of those as early as you can, as as Dan has previously said. Use them to to best effect to uh, to get what you want out of your resettlement, and then transition into the into the uh, into the civilian sector. Uh, and I think one thing that we've also forgot to mention is develop your soft skills, because they are they are foundational when you get out and you are dealing with um, clients and consultancy and stuff like that. So definitely work on soft skills, read books. There's so many good books out there for developing that sort of stuff. Um, so I would, I would definitely take that on board as well. Lovely. James, do you want to wrap this all up? What 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 have you learnt from, from your volunteer team today um, that you think is important for a, for a service leaver today? Uh, I think you don't need any predefined background to get into cyber or tech. Anyone can do it. You know, you don't have to have the most comprehensive plan in the world, but there are some key points that you need to factor into your to your um, journey into cyber or tech as you leave the military. One is that you need to make sure that you have at least a rough plan of, a, of an end goal and what your start point is. Network like hell, um, you know, and I would, I would certainly say that, that, you know, making sure that you're comfortable to engage with people as the guys have dragged out, you know, working with clients and consulting uh, in a consulting arm um, of a business means that you're going to be doing a lot of that. But even when you're doing your assessment, you need to be prepared to engage with people. Make sure that you are comfortable with being a learner again. And that's something that's really difficult. Um, you know, coming from being a practitioner or an expert in the military, going into a new career, um, starting again, it's not always imposter syndrome. Sometimes it's just because we're not comfortable becoming a learner again. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the help is there. You know, the, the, the whole volunteer team um, is proof of that. You know, these, these guys are incredibly busy having full-time jobs in most careers is off the charts at the moment. In cyber and tech, people are working four, five times more than what they were pre, pre-COVID. Um, and still they're giving up their time and, and their support for other members. So, you know, that stuff is there. So if you, if you want to learn, even if you want to find out whether cyber is not for you, you're not going to know unless you come and ask. So the best way to do it, engage with the community, get those questions across, lean on people, you know, like Dan, like Ben, like Ollie and all the other volunteers, um, but also the other members, because there are other people that are going through that same process who may be one or two weeks ahead of you or one or two stages ahead who can share their very recent experience. So really leverage that, that knowledge um, and use the military, um, the sort of military family ethos that we have. Thanks all of you for taking part. James, Dan, Ollie, your advice will, I have no doubt, resonate with our listeners. For our listeners, you can find out more about TechVets and how to become a member by visiting techvets.co or searching for TechVets on LinkedIn. If you are a business owner or work for a company in the tech industry and want to find out how to get more veterans into your team, drop James Murphy a message via LinkedIn. You'll find all the contacts you need in the description for this post. We'll be back next month with another TechVets podcast. Thanks for joining us.